What are your favorite Minnesota sports podcasts saying about the Minnesota Wild this week? We find out today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, Locked On Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, we continue with the Minnesota Sports Podcast Collaboration Show, part two of the show that features podcasts throughout the state of Minnesota, including Locked On Wild. The Soda Pod, Judd's Buds, Sound the Foghorn, Brave the Wild, Wild Takes, and more. So uh, we will turn it over to State of Hoppy and Isha Jerome of the Soda Pod. Who do we got? Our friends at Sound the Foghorn. Brett, Justin, and Zeke represent Sound the Foghorn from wild to whitecaps, killing the analytics and prospect game. Here's a sneak peek at their latest episode. So I guess we'll just start here. Um, let's, let's just go right into stories, and then we can kind of just add some context if we need to. Um, Justin, we'll go to you first, because obviously with a son named Miko, we know there's a there's a special connection, and just talk a little bit about um, just what Miko Koivu meant for you and, and just kind of what his jersey retirement means to even you as, as you know, a fan. You know, outside of Gabrick, he was, I mean, of course he was the face of the franchise. Gabrick ended up being my first favorite mm-hmm. player on the Wild, but then he left, and it, it's just Koivu was – always always good i mean god i can't even put my thoughts together right now but uh <laughs> man just my favorite player all around uh, from then on and and just so i mean played a thousand plus games with us uh so loyal that's the word i was looking for yeah, absolutely but, uh, just I loved watching him in the shootouts when when shootouts became a thing. He just knew the move he was going to come up with. He was always going to do that deke in the backhand upper corner. Uh, just so many things about him made me fall in love with the Wild even more. And then, obviously, I named my son Miko. I, I mean, I remember the night he was born, we were playing Pittsburgh, uh, November 25th, 2016. And, I mean, Koivu ended up getting an assist in that game. But I just remember that was the first game I got to watch with my son and here he is. I named him Miko. It wasn't totally in the plans, but then it ended up being the forefront of his name. He just looked like a Miko, and then just that's where the name came from, obviously. So you know, just really special player to me. Is uh, awesome. is Miko Baki gonna wear number nine? Do you think, or does his dad have a number he's gonna try to pass down? I don't know. I wore nineteen, but okay. I mean, you can find the own number he likes. He wears ten this year, but that was given to him. So mm-hmm. we'll see what number he falls in love with. If it's dad's number or his own or Miko Koivu's, who knows? Yeah. So Saint Michael did this weird thing when we picked our jerseys. So we they did like a complete kind of rebrand of the association. So it was my second year. Mm-hmm. So I had mites when I moved, and then when I transitioned to squirts, they did this whole rebrand thing where um, they had all the youth players. We bought a set of jerseys that were like far too big for us and mm-hmm. we were like basically drew a name out of a hat and that was supposed to be a number and we were supposed oh. to have that number and wear that jersey from the time we were squirts all the way through bantams and i just happened to draw um 22 um so that's a number i wore all through youth hockey um my brother had worn two his whole life so it was kind of cool for me like oh big brother mm-hmm. wore two little bro yeah. wears 22 um and then 
Um, of course, I grew up a, a massive Koivu fan. Um, he switches number to nine. And then um, I actually wore two my sophomore year of high school. Um, and then our captain who left after my sophomore year, who was number nine, um, that opened up number nine. I was able to wear that for my last two years. And then, of course, um, when I was a senior, I, I got to be a captain and, you know, being able to wear a nine with a C on it and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of feel a little bit like my idol was was super cool. Um, and then so if you're wondering where the uh, where the nine two comes in my bio, um, it's from nine and twenty two. Um, but, you know, if I had to, if I had to choose a hockey number now, it'd be ninety two just to kind of combine um, yeah. those two, which it still ticks me off. That's fucking Gabriel Landeskog's number. Uh, it just, it just like, twists a knife in my back every time I remember that. But um, yeah, that's a fun story about how I got my numbers. And if you're ever wondering where the 92 yeah. my bio comes from or my Twitter at, that's that's where it comes from. So very cool, awesome. Sweet. You know, for I don't know for me, like like you said, Brett. Uh, you know, obviously I'm younger than you guys. I don't have too many. You know, I guess stories per se. But I can remember to the first wild game I ever went to. I think it was, you know, like January 2011, my brother's hockey team at the oh, time. You didn't have had to live through the, the late yes. 2000s. Lucky you. No, did not. So <laughs> it was, yeah, it was right around then. Um, I think they are playing Vancouver that night. Uh, I don't I don't think he scored, I don't remember, but I do remember, uh, you know, I just remember specifically, you know, someone asked, I think a parent of the team, they asked a bunch of the kids, you know, like usual, who's your favorite player or whatever, and, you know, he was one I picked mostly at that time because, you know, that was the name I saw everywhere. And yep. Even though nine-year-old me or whatever I was didn't really, you know, I mean, I understood the game. I, I, you know, I didn't really understand league, teams, players, all that. But that's the that was the he was the first name, first player that I actually knew who they were. Uh, I I knew who obviously who Miko was even before that. Uh, And then you know I can also remember, uh, you know, obviously like Justin said, the back forehand backhand shootout move. That's you know it's classic for everybody. I mean I saw that. In person once against LA in 2013 during that lockout shortened season, he scored one of the. The most ridiculous part about that move is every goalie knew it was coming, and they still couldn't stop Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, how good it was, and and it was perfect. It's just perfect right under the bar, right over the glove block. So smooth, just just looks so great. And then I think the other one too, and I think it's going to go for a lot of us. Obviously, was the thousands game. You know, they came back late, tie it, then he scored a game-winning shootout goal in overtime at the exact move, and then was mobbed by basically the entire team. I think, you know, that was just, you know, for me, that's just the other one that, uh, you know, for all the, you know, as we've discussed before, all the crap he's gotten, I think, you know, that thousands game, that celebration, the way his teammates mobbed him, I think, says a lot. And uh, I think uh, it's just kind of a good way of, you know, representing what he has, what he has and still does mean to, you know, his team, players, and the fans. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've seen my Miko story and I've touched on a little bit, just, you know, the impact he had on me falling in love with hockey, wanting to be a center, wearing numbers and wanting to be a leader, all that inspired by Miko. So that aside, like my favorite playing memory of Miko Koivu, I don't remember when it, I think this would have been probably in 2014 because when the Wild had Heatley um, instead of Gucci, um, I think right after that trade, um, they were in an overtime game against Detroit. And um, a puck went to the corner. Nicholas Cronwall um, is in pursuit with Miko Koivu. And Miko Koivu gives him gives Nicholas Cronwall, this guy known for huge hits, <laughs> he flattens Nicholas Cronwall with this reverse shoulder hit with his back to him, flattens Cronwall. I think he injured him, but like totally clean. It was just a, like a an exploding backwards hit to the chest 
that just stunned Cronwall. Koivu takes the puck out of the corner, walks the slot, and hits Setaguchi in the back door for the game winner. And to me, like that goal is just the epitome of everything that was so underrated mm-hmm. about Koivu. The way he did use his size, the way he could box out, you know, even some of the best defensive players in the league. Um, obviously, you've probably seen some of the tweets from myself and from Evolving Hockey about how prime Koivu from basically 2011 to 20, 2018, he was probably the second best defense, defensive player, defensive forward in the league, not named Patrice Bergeron. And just because he didn't put up the points, um, was never really given the recognition that he deserved. Probably should have, in my opinion, won anywhere from probably two to five Selkie trophies or at least been in the top three, which he just never was. Um, and there's a lot of arguments against Koivu. Well, he never produced and, you know, he never led this team out of the playoffs. He only did X, Y, Z in the playoffs. He's not the GM. He doesn't pick the players that are that are put around him. He he, he does what he's dealt. And mm-hmm. Justin, we, we you and I chuckled about the late 2000s when this team was dreadful, and Koivu somehow ended up through all of that being a plus player in Minnesota. Which you think of all the bad seasons where you know he had to be the guy. And um, you know, I think it says a lot when you know two former GMs a. GM from your national country and 20 former teammates um, <clears throat> plus players and teammates are going to be there for your jersey retirement. I think it just speaks to to just the character that Koivu has and the respect he has. You know, maybe not always the the biggest talker, the flashiest guy, but you know, a, a stern leader um, and a guy that you want. If you know, a guy that'll get on your ass. I mean, I believe there was, I think, when Kevin Fiala kind of won his very first like explosive scoring streak. I think it was after Koivu kind of pulled him aside on the bench like do get your fucking shit together and then all of a sudden Kevin Fiala took mm-hmm. off right so mm-hmm. he's just that that, that voice of, of reason that you sometimes needed and um I'm gonna try not to cry on Sunday but um I, I can't I can't guarantee that won't happen as I as I watch nine go there after I'm I'm pretty pumped pretty pumped a lot of the things now I do correlates with me and my kids and uh the other night, uh, I forgot what game it was. Miko was being interviewed during the intermission or talking to someone. And my son was in the room. I said, that's Miko Koivu. That's where your name came from. He said, that's Miko too? <laughs> kind of like that. He's got the same name as me? Because it's not like a very popular name. So yeah. it was just kind of be able to, cool to be able to point out to him uh, that that's kind of where the uh, name idea came from. And uh, I mean, hopefully someday he gets to meet him, honestly. I hope uh, I get to meet him. I still haven't got yeah. to either. Uh, there was a fan HQ autograph event the day before the pandemic canceled everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it was one day late where it got canceled because of the pandemic. And we just, we had tickets to go and I was going to bring Miko and it never happened. So was hopefully someday that does happen again, but just, it, it's cool to be able to point it out to him be like, yeah, that's kind of, even though there's a Miko down the line in our family, we kind of use that as an excuse yep. too, a little bit, but it was just cool to be able to point it out to him because Absolutely. not a very popular name, yeah. <laughs> at least in the States. If you like what you heard, feel free to head on over to Sound the Foghorn. Any podcast platform that you have, we should be there. Look for the Minnesota Wild Colors and the iconic Foghorn logo. If we're not on your favorite podcast platform, feel free to let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. Thanks for listening and enjoy. If you don't already, follow them on social at Sound the Foghorn and plug that into your favorite podcast platform as well. That's right, folks. It's finally time once again as college basketball's NCAA tournament is finally upon us. You can get everything from all the latest odds, contests, and player props at betonline.net. They have the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. 
Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all of it and more at Bet Online, where the game starts. Who do we got next? MNCAA, hosted by Nick Maxson. You get your weekly dose of Minnesota College Puck. Here's a look at what you can expect for all six Division I programs. And now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the main event of the Nevermind. Hi, Max. How are you doing? Um, I introduce you that way because there is going to be quite the event this weekend up there at Amsoil. This is uh, this is some intense hockey that's about to come up. Uh, this is what you live for in the NCHC. This is what the season builds to. You want the excitement, and uh, UMD, you know, we're, we're happy to deliver. If the, the conference needs to rely on us to produce that kind of entertainment, you know, I'm 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 happy to be in the middle of it. Speaking of delivering, uh, your your computer camera needs to to steady its ISO. Um, you know, <laughs> you keep going from Bat Cave to, uh, to Hollywood stage. They're I've, just like that. <laughs> I've got the world's worst ring light here. It's from <laughs> from Amazon, the cheap way out. And you know, I've got. A, is it a, the is it the light that dims? Uh, the light doesn't dim. It is the computer camera, it, it but is the, the camera. fact that okay. it's just not connected it's just completely oh, i see so, okay yeah. so the computer's going what the heck's going on uh yeah. but you know it kind of is almost a, a perfect rendition of the bulldog season you're sometimes you're hot sometimes you're not um i know i'm a saint cloud fan so it sucks <laughs> um but how about this um these two teams again we talked about the last few weeks they seem to be destined on a collision course and uh well here we are right um the last what four or five years these teams have hosted the regular season finale. Um, it's been swapped between both Amso and the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, but not in the last four or five years has, I don't, I think the games have meant this much to either squad. This is going to be quite the weekend of regular season hockey uh, between these two, these two squads. We, we call the dog fight. I know it's more hyperbole, but I don't think this weekend it's hyperbole. Uh, I, I would certainly agree. So UMD got quite a bit of help. Um, with Western losing and, you know, they, they had it right in front of them. They could have jumped them or at least been tied with them going into this weekend here and had an opportunity to take over that third spot, but um, they couldn't get it done on Saturday to, to put it lightly there. It was a, a bit of a, a frustrating loss, not only for the fans, but for the players as well, hearing from, from some of them and seeing what they're going through, but to, to be only three behind a, a Western Michigan team and, and where they were, you know, just two weeks ago, even, um, to, to see that UMD wasn't able to capitalize on the, the opportunity in front of them and now have to fight to keep that, that fourth place spot. It's, it's going to be rough. It is going to be rough. And uh, you talked about third place too. So that's what St. Cloud was looking at too, because, you know, there was all this focus on the Bulldogs and, you know, how can we catch them? How can we maybe get home ice? There is a chance for that. Let's not kid ourselves, but we kind of forgot about Western Michigan and North Dakota kind of did you guys a favor. I mean, if things go your way this weekend, there may be an opportunity. However, I think Western Michigan is hosting Miami this weekend for the season finale. So, but I don't think anybody expected UMD to lose on Saturday. Let's, let's be frank. Uh, so there, there could be some surprises, but uh, I guess what shouldn't be surprised is, or what shouldn't surprise anybody that follows this 
I think it's okay to call it a rivalry uh, between the Huskies and the Bulldogs that this is going to be some great hockey. It's going to be emotional hockey. And uh, there's a lot on the line between these two squads. Uh, uh, Max, uh, let's take it from the UMD's perspective first, because uh, again, UMD five point lead going into this weekend, it was expected to sweep both the Huskies and the Bulldogs to get to a five point spread. Essentially you needed to one overtime point to basically put it out of reach. Now, Friday's game means a lot. Uh, so let's focus on Friday. How important is Friday's game for both these squads, but more and specifically for UMD, especially after Saturday's performance where you control the entire game, but just couldn't get one to fall. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Thinking back to, to Saturday's game and just the weekend in general, you had 96 shots from the Bulldogs over a weekend. And if, if you hear that, you're ecstatic as a Bulldogs fan because that's not something you see from them every night. You're like, finally, we're getting some offensive chances and everything. And then you look at the scoring column, and this 96 shots produced just three goals. And all three of those were on that that Friday game, a 3-1 victory. Get, get blanked on, on Saturday, losing 4-0, even after a 46-shot performance or 44-shot performance there. Is is frustrating. I, I mentioned it before. It's it's weighing heavy on quite a few guys, and to just run into a goaltender that's that hot, or you know what what have you. I'm I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, you know, even watching it, it seemed like a lot of those shots were things that normally go in the back of the net. And you kind of alluded to it. It was just the the frustration that was building on the ice. You can kind of see it. It was a little bit palpable that you know, they were, they were breaking down in some of the other areas and they had some other fast breaks in terms of Miami's play and how they ended up scoring a couple of their goals as well. And that kind of didn't really add anything to, to what UMD wanted to do. So they kind of have to take that mentality and throw it out the window because you can't play like that against a team like St. Cloud. We've, we've seen it in the last series against the Huskies where, you know, you're not going to get all of those chances against a, a more defensive team, a different style of play than than what they faced last weekend. And it's it's I don't want to say confusing, but um, it, it's going to have to be a, a more cohesive game overall. I, I don't think that UMD has had they've probably had a full game, but it's been rare and they certainly haven't had a, a full weekend of, of exactly how they wanted to play. So. I would take a full game from them um, in the upcoming series here. And if we can get a full weekend, it would be even better. Speaking of full, um, how about this? Uh, the, 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 the Bulldogs haven't had really a full roster at all this year, and they're going to actually might for the first time this weekend have a full healthy roster. I mean, that's insane to think about, Max. Um, you know, and you mentioned – tough losses, right? I mean, St. Cloud, that exact blueprint that happened on Saturday to UMD happened to the Huskies against the Bulldogs earlier in that same week on Tuesday, where the Huskies vastly controlled the game, lost that game. Um, But it's about how you respond, right? And I think one of the weird things about, you know, a a situation like this is it can do two things. It it can get you down or or it can provide a lot of motivation. Uh, Besides the Saturday's result, there's motivation to keep home ice, but there's a fine line, right? There's a fine line between letting emotions, you know, kind of help you dictate play and get you back on the right track or emotions can be sort of a, a further dividing force. So uh, how important is it, is it for the Bulldogs to keep those emotions in check this weekend? Because again, it, it could further sink you down the rabbit hole if you let the emotions do all the talking. Yeah, emotions in check is is one of the major keys that they are going to have to have in in their back pocket coming into this game. Um, we saw it in the, the previous two games with St. Cloud in St. Cloud. Granted, they weren't in the same weekend, so the flow is a little bit different. But 
UMD got out to an early lead in both of those games and they were trying to hang on to it. So if they fall behind early, it's going to be something that's completely foreign to them um, against St. Cloud, at least this year. Granted, you know, there are a lot of seniors on both teams. There are a lot of upperclassmen on both teams in general. So they played each other seven times last year. They're going to be playing each other a minimum of four times this year. And, you know, what seems very likely another seven times this year, if it goes to three games in the, the NCHC playoffs in the first round there. So they're, they're familiar with one another and they're familiar with that style of play. And, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, the rivalry, if it didn't exist before, which I think it did the last two years, including this one certainly is, is really enforcing that or, or building it up to be something that can be, um, worked at from from both teams so I, I don't see that as as being a negative necessarily but it is something that umd is going to have to to maintain a a mindset of going into it as a tough competition but one that they can win the previous two games they they have all of zero minutes of of being behind granted they didn't win the first game but they led all the way through uh until the last minute and then in overtime obviously nobody scored so for for the entire game, they, they were not down for two games in a row. So if they can go in knowing that they can hold a team that is as good as St. Cloud, even with that talented roster, talented goalie, like all of it, it it's going to be something that they need to build on. And that mentality of, you know, not getting too hard on yourself or too down if something doesn't go right right away is going to be the biggest thing. I do expect this to be a much more greasy series um, between these two squads. And, and and that's sort of some hockey that we've seen only a couple of times, really. Uh, you know, these teams love to play. Uh, I don't know if clean hockey is the word, but they're, they like to be the skating skilled offensive team, right? Chances on the rush, chances in the cycle. Uh, you're, they're not like, say, a Western Michigan or an Omaha that can, you know, kind of pound you in the boards, that can be physical. Um, kind of like Calgary. Holy cow, does their own NHL reference that team yeah uh, we could go on a tangent on how uh playoff ready that team is um because they just have a little bit of everything uh these two teams are not really built like that and that's why i make the reference so i, I guess for both squads you're almost wishing that the that the game doesn't evolve into into sort of a grudge match per se but if it does max do you like umd's chances in that type of a matchup uh, normally I would say I do because they, they have been pretty good on the penalty kill all year, but uh, it struggled as of late and, you know, not necessarily against St. Cloud in the, the past couple of games, but uh, I, I don't think they're as strong as they have been in, in past years. They don't have Hobie Bakers on the defensive line. They don't have anybody that's, you know, capable of being a completely shut down player. And that's not to say that Ryan Fanti's not good because he's second in the NCHC right now, only behind Zach Driscoll, who will, by the way, was stolen from Bemidji, and that's the only reason that I won't say the only reason. Whoops. A good help in terms <laughs> of where North Dakota's at this year. Great goalie, great team in general. It's something that I have to bring up whenever whenever I can. But um, back to what I was saying, that the, the Bulldogs are top 10 in even strength goals against for, for opposing teams, and they're top 10 in shots against on a per-game basis. So when they're playing five-on-five five hockey – they're, they're a top 10 team in the nation. So I, I don't see that being an issue as long as they can keep it that way and, and play a, a relatively level game. So what does the ultimate question bring us, which is how does UMD pull this off? Again, mathematically speaking, you have a two-point advantage. If you get a victory in regulation on Friday, that pretty much puts you at home mites. That seals it, right? Um, for the Huskies, if they win in regulation or at least throw it to what the NCAA would call it a tie or at least to a shootout, that's you know at least splitting 
points. And then even if they still lose in the shootout, that's a three point advantage. So the math is still in the favor of UMD, but you got to get there. So how does UMD make that happen? Yeah, I, th- I think you alluded to it earlier. And then with that question as well, the, the Friday game is the biggest because if you do win in regulation on Friday, the monkey is off your back for not only the series, but the season as a whole, you would be mathematically above 500, even if you lost out. And then you would just be relating, you know, relying on the uh, pairwise rankings to maintain the top 16 rate. So I think if if Sandlin can get the guys up for a good game on Friday and play through it, it's going to put everybody in a much more relaxed position and um, in a good spot to to produce well for the rest of the weekend. But with that being said, there is a lot of pressure right now. And I, I don't want to see as a, a hockey fan in general, but obviously as a fan of UMD, I don't want to see anybody thinking that this game is the end all be all because there is another Saturday game. And even if you do lose both games this series, you won't be playing at home, but you still have uh, another way into the tournament, another way to continue your season. That's just to win not necessarily win out, but at least make it to the championship game of the NCHC. So I don't want the guys to be playing with with every shift is the end-all, be-all. They need to play a good, smart game and play their style. And I, I think that they can do that. And Sandlin's got enough experience. This is a, a an older team for the most part that that should know that, um, given where they've been. And, and, you know, a couple of them having championship um, seasons uh, on their resume already. So uh, I just want to see that happen. And I'm, I'm, you know, manifesting it as the kids today would say. <laughs> I, I like that word. Yes. Manifesting it is. Uh, speaking of manifesting success, right? Uh, I think the first goal in both games um, is going to be pivotal in the series in terms of how it plays out. Uh, Max, I want to know if you agree one and number two, if UMD scores first in on Friday, um, we saw this with St. Cloud last weekend, how you could still see some of that pressure. You could see some of that nervousness in their game. You score once, they scored twice. They started to relax a little bit. Um, that tends to me, when you bring that mentality into this, I think this could be a very low scoring series. And I do think there's going to be a lot on, uh, you know, I guess it, it, not a lot of grade A scoring oppor- opportunities. Uh, what do you expect um, on the ice of how this team, uh, how the series will actually play out? Yeah, the the first goal is is going to be pivotal, and it's funny to say that after having you know UMD already scored the first goal in the previous two and having completely different results, both of them going to that overtime and and shootout format. Ultimately, um, I, I do think that you know not to say that the the first matchup between these two was lucky one way or the other, but they they did control that game a lot more, and if they can play that style, it, it's going to be a, a lot better. It seemed like they were a lot more relaxed and not necessarily. Um, getting into some of the scrums that didn't didn't need to be going on. And, you know, some of that just comes with late season play and having it been physical all year long. But um, the, like you said, the first goal is going to be huge. The The only disadvantage, I shouldn't say the only one, but one of the disadvantages I see for UMD and the NCHC schedule in general is all of the, the Minnesota state colleges, I believe, are, are on spring break. UMD, at least, is on spring break. So it's not going to have that, that massive student section. You're not going to get a ton of help when – the St. Cloud goalie, Rennick, is, is he's not going to be getting berated down there or have signs saying anything about his family or sister or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, that's all in, all in good fun, but you're not going to get that type of home ice advantage. So scheduling a, a tough team or a tough matchup like St. Cloud this late in the year is, is always fun. It's a great way to close out the season. 
but having it in a in an arena that's that's not going to have the same you know vibe or energy that it's used to all year might be a little bit different for the players and you know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of not getting those super high highs so you're not going to have any sort of drop off you just need to be able to get the players up in general for that and and make sure that they're understanding when they're doing something good and I don't think that that's too hard for somebody at the the collegiate level. So what we come to is prediction time. Unbiased, of course, we are here on the MNCAA podcast. But this is, I think, a tough one to predict. Uh, There's a lot of variables. Again, these teams have not really been consistent as of late or throughout the uh, the season, actually, respectively. But Max, on home ice, you you got your backs against the wall to a proverbial degree. Uh, How do you see this, uh, this series playing out? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's silly to say that, you know, it's it's been, you know, as close as physically possible and it, it has been, but I expect this more of the same. You already mentioned it earlier. I expect a little bit lower scoring, two good goaltenders, um, two good defensive teams, not that there's they don't have uh, offensive weapons on either side, specifically St. Cloud, but um, just the way that they play one another and the way that they've played one another for the last two years seems like it's it's kind of leading itself to this. So uh, I'm saying a split at home as I'd like as much as I'd like to say a sweep, uh, a split at home, and that'll do it. Not that you know, it's a split is going to have the same outcome on the season as a sweep would. Maybe not having the momentum, but they're going to run into each other the same same place, same time, essentially for the the next weekend as well. So if they can get comfortable and and win one game this weekend, I'll be happy. And I think uh, Bulldogs fans will be too, as uh, that will certainly help uh, them cement their case for the NCAA tournament again. Selection Sunday coming up in under three, uh, about three weeks now, so it's coming up quick. Uh, Max, again, thanks so much for joining us. We need to head south to uh, another Minnesota State school, the Minnesota, uh, the Mankato Mavericks, the number one team in the country. And to get us caught up, we bring in Marissa Boss. Just like Judd's buds, you can find all MNCAA episodes on the Soda Pod feed with episodes dropping every Friday. Go follow the dedicated college hockey feed on Twitter at MN underscore NCAA. MNCAA was taken by some douchebag with zero followers that won't reply to Isha with our very lucrative USD cash offer. Um, now, Isha, who's the last show that we want to promote here this week? Brave the Wild. Joey has been in the Minnesota Wild podcast game since 2008. Here's a clip from the Chiseled Betcher. With that said, though, the Minnesota Wild played three games this past week and got demolished. Uh, yeah, let's just say that. Uh, over three. And that includes our power play sucked and our goal scoring sucked. My thoughts exactly. Uh, like, what more can you say? Three to one, seven three, five to one. Toronto, Calgary, Calgary. Calgary looks like a team that could win the Stanley Cup uh, tomorrow. Uh, they outscored us twelve to four in two games. Yeah, and then Toronto three to one. It wasn't total demolition, but we didn't score. You know, our power play sucked, and our goal scoring sucked, and the goaltending sucked, and the defensemen sucked, and the wingers and the forwards they really really sucked. And the coaching, okay, maybe not the coaching, but maybe the coaching a little bit. Okay, sorry, I'm just kidding. One way or another, it was, I mean, what more is there to say? It was a bad week. It was a really, really, it was just a bad week. Just, just flush it out, you know. Everything's going to be fine, you know. Everything's fine. Just flush it. Uh, no, let's, uh, the Wild are, <laughs> the Wild are two games ahead of Edmonton, which would be ninth place in the Western Conference. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Flush it out, huh? Flush it? Flush it out. 
Yeah, we might get fleshed out if we keep playing like this. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, giddy up here. Let's giddy up. The Toronto game, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It was just boring as hell. It was boring as hell at the beginning. Couldn't get anything going, luckily. You felt confident. At least Kapokakinen was stopping shots from Toronto and all that. And then uh, after Frederick Goudreau was pretty much the only player who could get anything going this past week. Uh, <laughs> broke the twine, so to speak. Or, you know, crossed the line and scored a goal. Lit the lamps. Whatever you want to call it. And that wonderful second line, third line, whatever the heck it is, line finally was able to get things in second line was able to get uh the wild on the board and the lead and yeah, it was kind of a familiar thing this week uh yeah the wild to take the lead and then uh, that was it it was like all right we, we got this we're back we're, we're gonna start winning games again and then that was it there was no scoring and then it was like no who's on him oh well who's on him score you know it was it was that was just kind of the feature that was kind of the feature presentation of this past week. Well, who was on that guy? Oh, that sucks. One-timer goal. And it was just over and over again. If it's the, the Chuck, the Chuck was time and time again. Somebody put a body on Matthew the Chuck. I mean, was anybody on the Chuck? Was anybody on him? Or were we just rhyming the, you know, were we just adding an F to that word? I don't know. That's what it felt like. Austin Matthews made it look easy. He just, yeah, he made it look easy. And, of course, his second goal. His second goal made me like his, his second goal made me squirm or made me cringe Brandon DeHaim had the puck was kind of going up the ice and it's just I, I don't know what what's up with Brandon DeHaim I mean the guy his stick handling it leaves something to be desired and his awareness seems to be lacking as well like what is up with the guy <laughs> he turns the puck over way too easy he looks like a clumsy basketball player getting getting stripped from behind in a JV game. It's like, what's what's going on here? That's what it felt like to me. And it's happened more than once. I mean, there's times he had the puck all by himself, Brennan DeHaim, and started stumbling. And that was like a couple of weeks back. And it's like, what, what's up with that? I know we're all human and we're going to have moments like that, but uh, I don't know. Brandon, let's go. Come on, Brandon. And pretty much the whole fourth line has been non-existent, to say the least, except for Nick Bukestad scoring in that 7-3 to three game. Woohoo. At least we got on the board again at some point. Yay. But 7-3. Uh, 7-3 to, three. to three is basically all you need to say. The 7. The 7 is, is the problem. Um, just no life. Uh, I can pretty much put all these games into one review and tell you the same thing. This, the first one, not as much. I mean, you gave up three goals. It wasn't that bad. This and that. But there was just no life in terms of the scoring side of of things. We're averaging less than three goals a game. Okay, well, I mean, it happens. It sucks it, that it does happen. Um, and this is over a six-game stretch, going back to the Florida game. Florida, or actually, yeah, yeah, going back to the Florida game. It's a six-game stretch where the Wild have gotten their butts handed to us. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. You know, we have not been scoring. Of course, there was the Edmonton game. Okay, so you exclude that one with the seven. But, yeah, if you talk about all the losses, basically, Florida excluding just the Edmonton game, which was actually kind of a sloppy game as well, and Connor McDavid and all of them were playing like eh because they had played the game before. And they're they're not a team I want to compare the Wild to right now. If you want to be a good team, you want to beat teams like Calgary once in a while, at least split with them. Pray to God you can get a split or maybe even a point out of it, like a, a OT or shootout loss, something like that, something lame like that. <laughs> but to get, you know, demolished, absolutely demolished 12-4 to in just two games, it leaves you thinking like mm, I I was afraid Calgary was going to put a can of you know what on the on the wild can of what bass on the wild but 
boy, uh, they did. And it was painful to watch. Painful. Um, I know they've been killing everybody, like the like like <laughs> like Vegas. They've even beaten Colorado. That's why I, I keep thinking if Calgary can, <laughs> I, I don't know if they can sustain this level of play necessarily. But I mean, even Colorado is obviously way ahead. They're 14 games ahead of second place St. Louis. They're 19 points ahead of the Minnesota Wild. I said games points points ahead of the Wild. 19 points ahead of the Wild. So good night, Central Division Championship. That ain't happening. Um, I don't know. This this week just felt like uh, who's on this guy. It would be like it felt like uh, we're overcompensating defensively. We're overcompensating. The, the defensemen are overcompensating on one guy, whoever it is. The puck goes over to the right. Both defensemen are on the right, and then somebody like at the chuck or whoever is open on the left. And it's like, good lord, or, or vice versa. And they have like a one timer. It's like, oh well, there's the, there's the saucer pass over to the chuck or whoever the heck and goal Calgary. And that was kind of the theme, especially in those two games. The Toronto game kind of again, it was it was just like a lame night. It was just a it was just a game where we lost. It didn't play well. Not much energy. Get your questions in every week by following at Brave the Wild and listen by searching Brave the Wild Minnesota Wild Podcast. All right. Thanks to everybody tuning in on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I mean, wherever you get your podcasts from, the best thing you can do for us or any of the content that you heard in this podcast episode, uh, you can go on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, give us and give them five stars and a kind review. It goes such a long way. You're already supporting us by listening to this episode, so you might as well go and review us as well. If you're jonesing for more hockey content, go listen through our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And on your app, please download the episode before you listen, as it just helps all of our business. You can follow myself at VI Sports Talk. You can follow Hoppy at State of Hoppy. And of course, you can find The Soda Pod on all platforms at The Soda Pod. Signing off, I'm Isha me alongside The State of Hoppy. This has been The Soda Pod, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We good, buddy? We good. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild. That does it for today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Again, thank you to the Soda Pod for putting this show together each and every week. Happy to be a part of it here at Locked On Wild. Make sure to follow any of the shows that you don't already that are part of the Minnesota Sports Podcast Collaboration Show. You can find their shows anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to follow Locked on Wild wherever you listen to podcasts. And stay with us on social media as the Locked on Madness tournament continues. We will keep you up to date with all things Minnesota Wild because if big news or a puck drops anywhere in the state of hockey, Locked on Wild 